Hello and welcome to episode 67 of It's Never Sunny in Seattle, a Seattle Mariners podcast. Mariners Twitter is filled with sickos and we got three of them right here for you. I'm Anders Jorstad with my co-host Mikey Ahedo and we got a special guest, Jordan Schusterman. Jordan, welcome to the program once again. It's so good to see both of you smiling gentlemen. Uh, Mikey, I feel like it was just yesterday we were standing out uh, at T-Mobile Park watching Jesse Winker launch one into the right field seats um, (laughs) in his final at-bat as a Mariner. I'm sure we'll get to all that, but I'm always happy to talk to you guys, so this will be fun. What what a fitting uh, what a fitting introduction to this podcast and and what a nice segue for us Jordan why don't we why don't we talk about it the Mariners did a did a trade I know Jared Apoto uh, you know doesn't do that very often but he shipped away our good friend Jesse Winker and our other good friend Abraham Toro for Colton Wong and Mikey you and I have talked at and and with Evan of course too have talked ad nauseum about the potential of getting Colton Wong <clears throat> and it's funny because I also mentioned in the last episode that usually when a player is heavily rumored to be coming to the Mariners, it doesn't really seem to happen. They just like kind of sit there and, you know, the Mariners never actually do anything about it. But now we have three recent examples of players who've been rumored and then were acquired. Luis Castillo, Teoscar Hernandez, and now Colton Wong. Um, So why, let's start with you, Mikey. Why do you think that Colton Wong was such a sought after player for the Mariners and how does he fit? And also just in general, what are your thoughts on the price that the Mariners had to give up for him? Yeah, I feel like it's uh, uh, the discourse has been very bad. Um, You know, when I think about uh, it's weird because there's two opposite kind of conversations happening. One is I can't believe the Mariners are just giving up on Jesse Winker. Um, And the other side is like. Because I think I mean, just what, like two episodes ago, you were talking about how Jerry DePoto is like afraid to lose trades and I was like, I don't I don't think he generally trades like someone who is afraid to lose trades. This, by definition, is an admission of at least taking the L on parts of two major trades in the past year. Um, I guess year and a half, maybe. So I think that's a good sign. I think that it's not a great sign for what's going to happen at second base, because that means no Trey Turner, really no big four. Um, and I'm terrified that it's like, unless you get a Brian Reynolds or an Aaron judge or, you know, insert here. Uh, it seems like DePoto is kind of going to do like he and Hollander have been saying, which is like, we're going to make, above average upgrades, which Wong is, he's a two and a half to three war player at these positions. Uh, I think for a team that like was overmatched by the Astros, but very feasibly could have won that, you know, that series. Uh, I don't think that's ideal, especially with how much room they have in terms of salary. So that's my initial take. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And I think that the other element of this in terms of criticizing it or, or the offseason so far, right, is have they gotten better, like a lot better if you're saying that they've brought in Teoscar to, as it stands right now, replace Hanniger, bring in Wong to replace Frazier. Now, to me, the answer to that is is still yes. Uh, but if we are chasing an Astros team that finished however many millions of games ahead, 
um, then no, it's not nearly enough. And that's why I think so much about this. And, you know, Hollander already said this in the response to the, to the long trade is, is there's gotta be another move. Cause if you're looking at the lineup now, now there's on one hand, it's like, okay, giving up on Winker, we can talk about what, what that means and how that, you know, reflects on DePoto and then the front office or whatever, but it really does leave a lot more DH at bats open at the very least, because it, the one thing, even when they were saying like, Jesse Winker's a great hitter, he will rebound, even though I don't think any of us necessarily believe that that meant they were going to keep him. They were also saying, yeah, we really do not want him to play the outfield anymore <laughs> if they're early parts of the offseason, right? And so that, as we looked at it, it was like, okay, like if they really are going to hang on to him and they want him to bounce back, that's going to be a DH. And if you are the person that believes he can bounce back, then, you know, maybe he is a, a competent DH option, right? Now I'm looking at a depth chart that, that really has no uh, DH and that should still me be, to me, opportunity to add. Now, what that is, yeah, I mean, like Mikey said, I mean, I'm, I've totally given up hope on, on pursuing one of the big four, and that is disappointing, and we can talk about why that is extremely frustrating. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think that there is a lot of offseason left to go, and the next move is the one that will be them actually notably taking a step forward. Uh, and I think that it could still be coming, but that the, the pressure is now on to do that um, in, in in a lot of ways. And we you know we talk about what what is more realistic to assume could be happening next, but but yeah, and I'd love to know you, where you guys feel more about not just the DH one because the DH is an obvious hole, but but left field, right? I mean, I mean, is how much do you really believe that they they want to stick with Kelnick uh, and moving forward here? And, and I think there's some pros and cons to that. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. I know it's kind of a lukewarm uh, <laughs> take there. I do like Colton Wong. Um, I think he is better than Adam Frazier, and I do feel better about him than Adam Frazier. But yeah, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, if anything, this is making me appreciate the Teoscar move more because I think Teoscar is awesome. And like, I, I do think we are maybe glossing over yeah. how much of an upgrade that was. And I think often about how so much of offseason, how we take in offseason as fans is sequencing, right? That's so much about how we as fans react to anything. It's just the order of, of operations, even if the, all the moves are the same. When you shuffle them around, they make all of us feel way better or way worse. I think the Mets are dealing with that now because they signed Edwin Diaz five minutes after the World Series and then everyone forgot about it. And I was like, that was, that was good that they did that, right? We, we moved on really quickly, but like that was still something that they accomplished. So I feel that way kind of about the Teoscar move. I don't want to move past that too quickly because he's awesome and I'm so excited he's on the team. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's a good point. I mean, that Teoscar trade was such a clear win for mm -hmm. Seattle. You know, trading Eric Swanson's a great mm -hmm. reliever, but he wasn't a reliever Seattle needed to be successful next season. And Teoscar is a bat they need to be mm -hmm. successful next next season. I, I think that, you know, this is a demonstration that DePoto has no patience for players who are seen as a distraction in the clubhouse. We've seen this before. Kendall Graveman is a prime example of that. Uh, I mean, we've we've heard things, we've heard unpleasant things about Kyle Seeger um, and, and how that final season went down. So it, it seems that DePoto, you know, when he senses that there is trouble brewing inside the clubhouse, he wants to get rid of that immediately. And I thought it was telling that one of the first things he said in his in the announcement uh, that came out about the Wong trade was that they admire his leadership quality, which I don't know if that is a compliment as much as it is uh, 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 an insult out the door to, to Jesse Winker. But um, it is notable that that seems to be something that they are really targeting um, the vibes of it all. Um, and I feel like, you know, we, we've talked about this team can't just sustain itself on vibes, but I wonder if that was not a big part of it. Jordan, you look like you had something to say. Well, about I think that. that this, as we can maybe move into the DH part of this this conversation, um, we can go whatever order you want. But like, 
this is where it maybe reopens the door for Mitch, right? I mean, this is because Mitch Hanniger represents the opposite of that. He is the other side of the spectrum. And yes, we know that there is also some level of, of, you know, disagreement about the value of Mitch between the front office and what Mitch wants. And I totally get that. Right. And he, he's earned that right to hit test for agency and all that stuff. But at the same time, if we do believe that generally Mitch would like to stay and we do believe that the team values some level of clubhouse leadership and chemistry, and we know that Hanniger is such a huge part of that, then I don't know, maybe that would make them more likely to push to add Hanniger back into the mix. And I would, I would support that. You know, I, I don't know if he is the best player they can, even if we move out the, you know, the, the, the big four and just, just to throw that dream away, is Mitch the best hitter they can still add back? I don't know if that's, if that's, I don't know if he is, I would pro- probably argue no, but if you consider all the other things we just talked about, then you could make an argument that he is still the best fit to bring back into the fold. So I don't know. It's that, that, that was just something that I was thinking about is, is that the Mitch element of this really has kind of got me, got me thinking. Are you giving him 45 mil over three years? I mean, I think yes, um, but I certainly am not surprised that the uh, <laughs> front office is not super thrilled to 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 do that. But I mean, this is also part of where we, we throw in, I mean, the Reynolds discussion is a much bigger discussion, but we talk about some of the other free agent outfielder names um, and what those guys could cost, whether it's a Conforto, whether it's a Benintendi. Um, I don't. I don't know. It's 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 weird, right? Because we haven't seen as many hitters sign yet. We've seen this pitching market has been wild, and I think we should feel very fortunate as a fan base to have one of so few teams in baseball that like have such an obviously great top four. Like that is a very rare thing across the league, right? And that is another thing we should really appreciate um, as, as we move forward in the soft season is how much we don't have to really worry about that in the same degree. Not that I would hate signing Kodai saying it'll be the five. I mean, I think that'd be awesome, but like that, it clearly is not as much of a pressing need. So to your point, Mike, I, mean, I don't know. I think it also matters as who else is out there and if, if it's really worth it. But what do you think? You even 345? I mean, I asked that in the tone of I mean, I was just thinking no. And actually, you know, now that I think about in terms of other options, like I think I'd rather give Mitch three years than Benintendi five years. Um, and I, I also think that uh, when you think about targets like Conforto, who's probably going to get may- like maybe a couple years, but I-, I think he probably wants to bet on himself uh, to have him and Wong and Hernandez on one year contracts, probably not what the Mariners are, you know, hoping to do. Well, um, I don't know if that's by mistake either. We know who's a free agent next off season. <laughs> well, 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 that's the other thing. I, I, I honestly am not sure I have the energy for a discussion right now, but I will say that at the same time, we, we know it that, and, and talking to people around the team and like, it's, it does seem like, like, right. They don't, they haven't like traded for guys with one year at the same time. Jerry also just talked about in his whole ridiculous payroll rant. We care about 2026 is him saying, we actually do want shorter term commitments. You know, he, and that was the first case he was like, actually, we do want that. So in that sense, maybe they would rather give Conforto one year, you know, than Mitch three or Ben Attendee five. I don't know if Ben Attendee's getting five, but that's, that's another uh, way to maybe think about it that, hey, maybe, maybe they would rather go after a Conforto for a, for a one year, 20 million. Uh, situation. Um, but I don't know. That's that's a weird one. Conforto's a weird one. And I and I that's one I, I really have been thinking about a lot. Um, because 
I know we did this a year ago and everyone was like, no, absolutely not. He sucks. And that was because he was coming off his worst season. Um, we have no idea. He hasn't played for a year. He's coming off the surgery. I'm, I'm open to it. I, I honestly wouldn't hate it. I, I, I think Conforto has a really big track record of being good. Uh, but, you know, that's <laughs> to me, I, like, like you said, I think I'd still just rather give Mitch three years and, and have everyone in a good mood. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a Borscoin, oh, yeah, too. Of course. Right. I think the thing here is that 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 spot that just was vacated by Winker is now the clearest uh, route to an impact, quote unquote, signing. Right. And if you if you give that to Conforto, you're plugging that hole and, and all of a sudden it becomes, you know, where do you start to make a big swing? And so I think that, you know, one of the other avenues was that this trade really opened up more options because before you had Winker who was going to DH and you needed an outfielder specifically. Now you can go ahead and you can go and try to get Yoshida, for example, a guy who's, you know, not really known for fielding. He's more of a hitter. You could go uh, trade for a guy who's more defensively limited. You don't have to be like Nimmo or bust or Hanniger or bust, but I kind of wonder if, if like they take their time with the outfield market because of all these things. And we know the outfield market at this point, as we're recording is dictated by Aaron judge. And once judge signs, everything else is going to cascade behind that. And it's kind of a question of which musical or, you know, where the musical chairs will end up when everything, you know, finishes and who the Mariners will end up with. I think Hanniger is an excellent option, especially if they can't get, you know, whatever he want on in the Mariners fandom wants Brian Reynolds. But, you know, Hanniger is kind of like an older poor man's Reynolds. And I think he would be a fine use of that roster spot. And if that ends up being their biggest signing, I don't think 345 is going to really be something that stops them, given where they are with payroll right now. Um, so so let, let's talk about what what do you think is is going to be where the Mariners start looking for that that spot? Because I think we can agree there is a, a spot, either DH or outfield. We don't know what they're going to do with Kelnick. Marlowe, whatever. But even if you give one of those players that spot, there is still a lineup space open. And and where would you like to see the Mariners go with it? And where do you think they will go with that spot? Let's start with you, Jordan. I mean, I think Nimmo is awesome. I mean, again, that one is, is it, is it more, again, if we're talking AAV, it seems that they are just no interest in a 30 plus million for anything, right? Nimmo, I think there's a version where it's closer, much closer to 25, you know, 23, 24. Does that make that big of a difference? I just think he's really good. And like that, that is one where you're, you are really markedly improving in a lot of ways. And particularly just like the kind of team that they have right now and the kind of hitters that they have. Um, So that, that would be really exciting. I mean, you mentioned, you know, waiting it out. I just, there's just not that many of them. I mean, I just kind of mentioned if it's not going to be Mitch, you know, Conforto. I mean, Yoshida is fast. I like, I I'm really interested in him, but I think he's, he's not exactly something you're, you're banking on. I mean, he's super fun and I, I would not like, I would not be super excited if they made that happen, but he's hardly a known quantity. And then you move down. I mean, it's just a really limited number of guys. Like Michael Brantley is a really interesting one year option. I mean, he's much older, um, but man, he's, he's, I, I am pretty sure that dude is not going to suck next year. Like I, I feel pretty good about that even if, if maybe the upside is limited and obviously he is much older and you're, you're still worried about, about injuries there. But on the trade market, I haven't really looked that much into outfielders that aren't Brian Reynolds, to be honest. I, Cause I, I was spending so much time. Like I was really starting to talk myself into Glaber Torres, honestly, before the long trade more as an upside play. Um, I thought of Med Rosario is another one 
that could have been a, a fun a fun potential option in terms of guys who only have one year uh, on, uh, left um, in terms of trade targets. But yeah, that's the thing. I, I just there's not that many options, and so we say that sure we're waiting for Judge. But if we're ruling out Judge and Nimmo, I mean, it's not it's not that many, and that's where it does feel like the Mitch thing could kind of circle back and just end up being the most obvious answer. So I don't know. That's not a very good answer, but <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm, I'm talking through it too. I think when we talk about order of operations, you know, I think something important about this off season is that the Mariners have gotten ahead of it and they've, you know, they acquired Hernandez, like, you know, one of the first things in the off season. Now they have Wong, they have pretty, pretty good options locked up. Um, I think, I, I mean, <laughs> I joked in the discord and by the way, we have a discord join. Um, but you know, that Nemo is a perfect fit for the Mariners, not only because, you know, he controls the zone, he's a good defender and can not only like fake it in center field, but he might be, even better in center than like Julio is, or, you know, an equal. Uh, (laughs) And also like the, the, the character, I think I don't need to expand on it, but uh, I think there are things about him that he has uh, in in common with other Mariners players. Uh, So (laughs) him and Brantley, um, I think really fit the mold of, I mean, Fangraphs, you know, crowdsourcing, is generally, I think they do all right, and they have like five over a hundred. So twenty million is like, I would do that in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, I mean, I um, think he's getting way more than that. He's another Boris guy too. Same. Um, yeah. But yeah. but yeah, no, I you could get I, two five hundred. I I do that so fast. I was gonna say the only other like, one. I don't even think that, I guess it. we mentioned Benintendi. The only other one that I'm just, again, I'm just throwing names out there is Profar, which is not a name I've seen literally anywhere. Um, but, oh wow, San Diego though. <laughs> but happening. that's yeah, but that's another one uh, that is, is who's coming off a really good season and obviously switch hitter and played a, a decent left field. So I, again, I, I, this is this is why as, we, as I talk through these, like it, it does just feel like it just ends up being back to Mitch. My biggest fear is that just the Red Sox sign Mitch next week <laughs> and they just give him fifty million. And it's like all right, well, right, because because they're yeah. not. They're not in on Judge, so they don't even need to worry about mm-hmm. that, right? They could they could jump the market on that. Yeah. Whereas the Mariners, I think, are are waiting to see if Mitch's price mm-hmm. drops after the Judge mm-hmm. signing. Yeah, it's gonna um, be Brandon Drury <laughs> <laughs> to play left. I, I swear, I swear to it, Christ, it's gonna be him or Will. Oh, Myers. Will Myers. I was about to say him as a joke. Uh, I mean that. I mean Drury is a Drury is a weird one. I mean he was one that I had thought about earlier in the offseason when I was starting to to punt on the idea that that any of the, the four like as a second base option too. Um I don't know. I mean, but that's the thing, right? I mean if you're if you're thinking about it as a as a DH, I guess it opens it up. I know it's like Josh Bell. I know people feel very torn about him. He has he has shown like incredible 60 game stretches and then has just looked awful for other stretches. So like he's, I, I do like him and, and, and also character wise, like Josh Bell's freaking awesome. And I think everyone would love to have him on the team, but in terms of consistency and you know what you're buying and you know, you're improving. I don't know if he's exactly who you want to be, uh, want to be uh, kind of gambling on there, but I, I don't hate that idea. I am really curious what his market is. I think that could be in a lot of different directions. So I don't know. And, and you sound Mikey, you really don't sound very interested in Mr. Benintendi. Which I don't totally blame you, but um, he's certainly, I think, the youngest of these guys available, um, which is is at least one point in his favor. And 
certainly has the the contact uh, profile that a lot of these players do not <laughs> on the Mariners. So I, I'd be curious as to why you're you're anti anti Benintendi. Maybe that's a little strong, but because um, I'm kind of now yeah. too. No, but, I like to. Yeah. I like the skill set, and I think when you look, you know, if you're just like glancing at his Fangraphs page, it's like he's performed every year outside of 2020, which like that means nothing to yeah. me, especially totally because video was down that yep. year, um, <clears throat> and this year the power was down. Uh, I think there is probably an easy way to get more out of him because I think right now he has like the Abraham Toro thing going on where like he just hits too many opposite field fly balls. They're non-competitive. I think his pull percentage is like 29%. If that was 39%, if he's, you know, getting his point of contact average out, you know, a couple inches, like I think he starts to get into some of his power with, that's the thing is I I do feel like there is a fairly safe floor with Benintendi and maybe a little bit more ceiling um, when you have those contact skills that are so kind of ingrained and so proven. Um, pretty, I mean, I I totally get the point you were making, but calling him Abe Toro. I mean, let's let's not. <laughs> I know. I just I know, mean I know, you know in I know terms of mean. not optimizing. Totally, totally. But it's just, uh, it's just and and speaking of. You know, I was going to say earlier, uh, and again, I said this in the Discord, but but moving Winker and Toro off the roster, like, yeah, I know, I know that Toro can technically, you know, move around, uh, but you're you're really unclogging the roster and like giving Dylan Moore the ability to move around, and it sounds like he's going to be, you know, the soft platoon at second. Haggerty, you know, like I think is a decent fallback option as some sort of a platoon in, in left field. Um, Hopefully not with Kelman. Yeah. Well, I also <laughs> yeah. have to assume that Moore will be getting DH reps too, assuming they're not signing someone that is obviously getting 500 plate appearances there, which I'm not. Which again, is that good? I don't know. Um, I will say, like Dylan Moore was way better than I, I, I. What a weird line for him last season. I mean, the 368 OBP is like pretty stunning for someone who just never looks like he has any idea what he's doing. We know we know Haggerty got. I guess I guess like I like if if you had asked me who had the higher OPS plus last year, Haggerty or Dylan Moore, I'd be like, oh, Haggerty easily, right? But it was it was more slightly, um, and it was pretty close, but. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I I agree. There's 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 some value in, in unclogging the roster in that sense, and also just flexibility for the next move. Um, you know, it's worth mentioning. But obviously, they traded for Cooper Hummel. I mean, we don't want to see him get 400 plate appearances. I think he's an interesting player. Um, but I he's there, and, and then too. Taylor Trammell, right? Who's another one who's just been in this weird limbo. Um, and and that's why I think Trammell is still the one I feel bad because I love Taylor, and he's already been traded two times. But he still feels like the one that is way more likely to be dangled and moved than Kelnick. Because I, I mean, I mean, it could be wrong about that, but I that's the one where I I, I feel like they're going to be way quicker to, to 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 punt on him versus giving up on Kelnick and and feeling because because right because Kelnick is the one that we we talk we started this by talking about like you know Jerry accepting his L's. I mean, that's that's going to be a real tough one to swallow. And even, even knowing that they were shopping him earlier in the year, I think that that one's really going to take the right thing for them to 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 accept that maybe he wasn't, you know, the next whatever. So um, that's 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 good in terms of that next move. I, I would still expect that that Tramiel is more likely the one to be the next one to be unclogged. I mean, again, Kyle, I got to assume you've already talked about Kyle Lewis on this podcast, um, but that's you know that was another one that we. Very sad, very sad. I don't necessarily want to revisit that, but uh, but yeah. Let's uh, 
Okay. Yeah. I, I would be happy about Ben Attendee. I, it, there's not a lot of rumors about his market at all. So I don't really have a great sense for for him. But he seems like a really obvious one that once Nimmo goes, that people will start getting excited for. The rumors have been hot about Brian Reynolds. So let's talk about him because that's going to get us a lot of listens. <laughs> people people want to hear about Brian Reynolds' yeah, talk. Um, so so rumors or reports came out today that he requested a trade from the Pirates. The Pirates quickly came out with a statement that they're like, "Oh, we're not you know we're not going to do anything just because he said that." But I mean, you have to you have to assume that they are in fact trying to look for potential packages for him and you know all all Mariners fans just like went into a frenzy at the notion of Brian Reynolds being traded because we know we've heard from many reports from you know the divishes of the world and Corey Brock and everyone that the Mariners love Brian Reynolds and you know for good reason he's a very good player so do you think that Brian Reynolds is actually a realistic acquisition target for Seattle? I'm I'm going to provide my perspective here in that I and I think we mentioned this on the pod like a couple episodes ago, but someone is going to be willing to offer multiple top 100 prospects for him, which is not something the Mariners have at present unless you are really optimistic about Harry Ford and Bryce Miller and even then that's gutting the entire Mariners farm system. It seems like the only option for Seattle would be surrendering a big arm like Kirby or Gilbert. And this is why I floated the idea on Twitter. Would you surrender Gilbert straight up for Reynolds? Um, do you think the Mariners could actually be in on these discussions? And if so, what what would it take realistically for that to actually come to fruition? Um, Generally, I think what you just said is right. It, that is what it's going to have to take. And I think that the it's important to think about this from the Pirates' perspective right now. Because with three years left, think about where the Pirates are, right? They suck, but they really can't suck for that much longer. Like they are going to have to, in the same way that the Orioles, uh, you know, actually started to show signs of life um, this year. There's a version where the Pirates, I don't think they could be as good as the Orioles were this year. But like in that terrible division, there's a version where they can, you know, scrape and, and improve by 10 games with all the, some of the young players that they have because they have they already do have a really strong farm system. Now you think about what so what are the kind of things that they're looking for? That's the thing. I don't see them at the stage of say, for example, what the Cubs were doing, um, a, you know, a couple of deadlines ago, where it's like let's trade for five teenagers, you know, because we're we we are trying to push this, you know, two or three or four years down the line. The Pirates have already been bad for a few years, like. They're going to be looking for close to the to the big leagues. Now, in some cases, those top 100 prospects are close to the big leagues, and they are way more appealing than the kinds of players that the Mariners can offer from their minor league system. You think about like a trade, that, like the trades that Oakland has done, right? When they have been selling off all their players, generally they're getting back top 100 guys that are already very close to the big leagues. Whether that's a Langoliers, whether that's a Waldachuk, whether that's you know whatever, right? I feel like the Pirates, while they are still pretty terrible and very cheap and have a lot of problems. I feel like they would like to get closer to being good sooner rather than later. Now, and the simple answer is that's why they're not going to trade Brian Reynolds. <laughs> but if they can get a crazy haul for them, which they almost certainly can, that includes young players that can help them either this year or soon, then maybe that is the calculus that thinks it's worth it. Now, how does that relate to the Mariners? Well, they certainly need pitching. They do have some very interesting uh, position player prospects, but pitching they don't have as much of. 
And if I'm them, yeah, I don't know how many better young pitchers you're going to get than Logan Gilbert or George Kirby. Um, and that is why I think it is still a place to start. Now we can talk about whether the Mariners should want to do that or not. Uh, but that is their only hope because in if, if you're just building a prospect package, I think the Mariners farm system isn't terrible. Um, the way that some people just, cause it feels like, cause they've traded so many guys. I think the way that they've developed arms recently has made it more like, Oh, holy shit. Like, no, they just have a bunch of pitchers that I think people covet now. Like they've just developed the Taylor dollars of the world, right? Like those were not big guys coming out of the draft. And then a year later, it's like, Oh my God, this is a guy. So that it makes their, their pitchers more appealing. At the same time, they don't have the, they don't have the ammo, and I haven't really thought about what other teams are really likely to be pursuing Reynolds. Um, but to your point, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Mikey? Like, is this is it, 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 you gotta? You, I I don't know. I, to me, I lean no because as I said a, a, like 10, 15 minutes ago, the Mariners' pitching right now is so just stunningly good and deep and exciting in a way that just not just relative to what the Mariners have been, but just like a look across the league. It is so rare to have that, that dealing from that for someone who's a very good player, but not a franchise changer, in my opinion, um, is not worth it. And I would rather just them keep leaning on the strength of having George Kirby as your four starter or whatever. Again, I know he's probably better than that, but to me, I don't think you're getting that much better in that sense, but I also understand entertaining it. So what do you think, Mikey? I know Jerry is not afraid of poor optics, uh, but I, I do have a hard time believing that he's going to trade Kirby and Raleigh. I think especially were were heroes in the postseason last year. I would just say quickly, like the pirates have a lot of catchers and I know that we don't talk too much about needs. I don't think Raleigh makes any sense for them as great as Raleigh. So, so I just want to move that one aside. I know, I know we're talking about the young players that would, that would make sense to move. I just don't think he's relevant. They just drafted Henry Davis overall. Andy Rodriguez is awesome. So I want to move that aside, but, but yeah, Gilbert and Kirby, right? Like that's, I mean, the way Jerry talks about Kirby, especially like is very hard for me to imagine that he would want to give him up. Yeah. And I, I kind of, Think the same thing of Gil. I mean, so I neglected to say this earlier, but like the Mariners are ranked. I think Steamer has them like eleventh and more, which is actually isn't far off from the Astros. It's I think probably three, three and a half more off, which means you know you are a Nemo away from like kind of being neck and neck with them. And obviously, I think the Astros aren't done either. Uh, but also, you know, if if you are moving Gilbert and you know whatever that Patrick package looks like for for Reynolds uh it is going to be somewhat lateral just moving around like what your holes are uh so I I think it 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 probably doesn't really even though it's you know a a a strength I think it's also good to keep it a, a you know a strength um and yeah Reynolds would probably play you know pretty dope defense in in left field uh and be able you know I I really love the idea of people being able to spell Julio with like decent or good defense. Uh, but yeah, I, I tend to think that they don't have the ammo. Although I still think that for certain teams as part of a package that uh, Kalnick is somewhat tantalizing, especially for, for from what I've heard uh, kind of, you know, internally, for Pittsburgh is that like, they're not good at helping out their, their players on the the data side. 
um, a lot of players are going, you know, independently to a lot of, um, you know, different agencies to, to, you know, yeah. get better. I, so I would say they're also, not yeah, I would say that they, I do believe that they've made a lot of progress. I think John Baker, who's their farm system director now, like he's, I'm a believer in, in Baker and, um, but yeah, they're, they're definitely been behind in recent years. So I agree about that. And I think, right. The point about Kelnick, I mean, that's, that's the wild card with Kelnick, right? Like I'm sure half the league just thinks he sucks. Like, I, it's just, and it's just like, this is not probably more, probably than more, league, right. Very, very possible. But it's, it's, it, it would be, I also think it's stupid to assume that the whole league thinks that because again, he's still what, 23 and like, you know, it, it, I don't have to explain that. Um, but to your point, right. In terms of moving Gilbert and moving, Certainly Kirby. I mean, think about think about the last we just saw these guys, right? Think about what, what we just saw from George Kirby. Like trading him off of that. On one hand, it's like you could get anybody, right? On the other hand, it's like, no, like that's this is incredible that you that you have this. And that's why I think this is the other thing you just said. And I and I I, I when I tweeted about this earlier, I mentioned this, this is the real wild card is brash, right? If 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 they love brash, that's and I love brash. I mean, my God, I would love to watch Matt Brash on the Mariners in 2023. That's the one that you are not pulling from. You're not crushing the the uh, the steamer, uh, you know, the steamer projection by trading Matt Brash in the same way that you would be if you were getting rid of Gilbert or Kirby. Can you imagine turning Taylor Williams into Brian Reynolds? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Taylor Williams I mean, come back to the Mariners this season? Yes. Yeah, he's in Triple A. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I think. There is a reason. I mean, I think it is to protect, you know, the because, you know, I think this is kind of gambler's fallacy to an extent, but like the Mariners just had one of the healthier oh, seasons God. for a yes. starting pitching core yes. for, oh, you know, a lot of teams. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising if they dealt with something. Uh, so I think one reason that Brash is staying stretched out is like, yeah, something could happen. And you have Kirby and Gilbert who are not fully built up. There's also that some teams might think he's a starter still. Um, and especially with that cutter, I think, I don't know if you saw that uh, that video, Jordan. I think you did, but um, I think it's more believable than it was a month ago. <laughs> so I think there's let, that. Let me present you guys with two choices. And now there's definitely more than two ways to complete this roster, but I'm just curious what you guys think about these two options. Red pill or blue pill? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Option number one is the Mariners trade Logan Gilbert for Brian Reynolds. Let's imagine it's straight up, but it it probably would involve more more minor pieces than that. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, let's imagine those are the two impact pieces. Yeah. And then the Mariners sign Kodai Singa. Option number two, they just signed Mitch Haniger again. Which one do you go with? <laughs> um, I mean, I think I would go with option one, but boy, that would be a hell of a thing to pull off on multiple fronts. <laughs> I mean, they're kind of... I like, by the way, I like the idea that Kodai Senga is like, I'll only sign with you if you trade for Brian Reynolds. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) They're kind of like... I think outside of the, again, like kind of optics and and, uh, team control, whatever, like one really is just better than two, you know? Like you're, 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 you're like... 
I think Senga can probably be just as good as Gilbert, and Bre- Reynolds just is better than Mitch. So, so you uh, think Senga will will be better than Gilbert? Then is basically what you're saying by taking option well, one. Well, to to me, it's more about Reynolds. Like almost certainly is safer to be better than Mitch and for the next three years, right? Um, so more than Senga, and I love Senga. I mean, I'm so fascinated with him, but like, I I. <laughs> I just don't think we know for sure with any of these Japanese pitchers, but I mean, I, I feel I feel pretty good about him, and uh, but I, maybe we're, I don't want to. We've heard nothing about him besides the fact that he he talked to the Mets, right? And that's like all no, we've heard he, about I, him. I feel like we've heard a ton of like a ton of teams. Remember there was a, there was that picture of of the giant of at uh, Oracle Park of like his like you know welcome Kodai Senga. So oh. yeah, I think there's like I think his market is so interesting because I know this is a bit of a tangent, but like. Senga's market is is fascinating because it seems like you have okay, DeGrom's gone. Let's not talk about that. Uh Verlander and and uh Rodon, right? It's like those guys are gonna get easily 100 plus million. Okay, great. And then like the next group is a huge mishmash of mid-rotation starters that are gonna get and it's while it seems like it's a pretty strong market with a guy like Ethel getting 40 million. It's hard to imagine really any of them getting more than 50 or 60 or 70. You know, we're talking the Tyons, the Eovaldis, uh, Tywin Walker, whatever. But then Senga, especially since he's younger than a lot of these guys, you know, he's only 30. Um, he's the one where you could imagine getting five for 80, six for 90, something like that. So like, and and he'll just a lot, of, and you know, no no qualifying offer. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot with him that is, could go in so many different directions that I'm I'm super, super intrigued by. That is actually a really good point as to why the Mariners might be interested in him. Because we know now the Mariners have three first-round picks because they got the Comp A pick right after the Julio pick. Did we need full confirmation. Um, this is going to be one of my missions uh, at the winter meetings. We need full confirmation about the Julio pick. because And when exactly it is. Because I, I still have not seen like a definitive, this is when... The, the, maybe I missed it, so forgive me. But like I need to see... I need on MLB.com to see... This has happened. This like they they don't post that until the spring. The official MLB draft order page where that updates it throughout free agency. And I know the people that make that page, so I should just talk to them. But like I need to, <laughs> I need to figure that out because I know it seems like it is going to happen. But anyway, the point is, is that they have a ton of first round picks, which is hilarious and great. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I think the Mariners are, and, and this fits perfectly with Jerry's like rebuild the farm system timetable where. He's trying to refill it now after just having, you know, emptied the farm these last two seasons. And this is a perfect avenue to do it, that you have these three picks. I don't think he really is anxious to sign a guy who has a QO attached to him for that reason. And perhaps this is why he went a different route in the middle infield. But you just mentioned, you know, one guy who won't need a QO is Kodai Senga. So if they vacate a starting pitching spot, then all of a sudden that's an interesting avenue for them. But you know, when you when you look at the whole starting pitching market, I am very glad the Mariners are not like desperate as the Rangers to get in on that because you, you like the leader of the market is Jacob Degrom, who has not had more than a dozen starts in the last like two and a half or three years, two years, three years. I don't know. It's been a while since he was fully healthy. Then you have Carlos Rodon, who you know he was healthy last year, but before that, uh, everyone's you know been a little worried about him too. And after that, you know, as you mentioned, it's a bunch of mid level guys, and so who who are you really confident in in this starting pitching market and the fact that mariners don't even have to worry about that right now is a great thing and maybe they don't want to be, put themselves in that situation by surrendering you know a, a gilbert or a kirby 
I also want to go back to, I mean, right, saying that this is why I do believe, right, it's so nice. To, let's move Reynolds aside for a second, right? Let's get back to another part of the Mariners offseason that we're still been kind of waiting on, which is like, are they going to trade Chris Flexen or Marco? Right, because that was the thing that I, it's like every trade, it's like, oh, here goes Flexen. Oh, there goes Flexen. Oh, he's, he's still there. And I think it's possible, even though they've been very, very, like Jerry's basically said, like, yeah, we would probably like to trade him because... He was crying I after know. the season ended because he thought he was know, getting I traded, know. which is super Wait, sad, what? by the way. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't. I, th- I don't know. I think I that was a, a combination. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. Was if it was because he knew he was mm. going to be traded, but the the point is, is like, is Mikey's point that uh, we probably aren't going to be that healthy again? <laughs> a reason to still hang on to both of them, um, or are you confident enough in Brash, which to me I feel like is probably what they're thinking that one of them has to go most likely flex in from a, you know, trading mark. Also, I think regardless of Brash, you jettison one of them, which is Flexen. I don't think anyone wants the Marco contract, which like is pretty somewhat reasonable, but which makes me think like, what is the Flexen deal? Cause that's the one that's still, if people think that Flexen, he's got one year, he's cheap. I mean, you're, you're, you're trying because people was like, Oh, it'll be him for Teoscar Hernandez, which why would, Again, I, that never really made him for a whole Cole lot of sense. Um, or Cole Wong, right? <laughs> but now we've had these two trades for guys with one year left that have passed without Chris Flexen going. I don't think that means people don't want Chris Flexen, but we need to identify the team that is trying to win in 2023, generally, and also has excess blank. The one team I could think of, but again, it doesn't really have excess guys with one year with one year contracts. I think that's, that's the thing. It's so hard. Cause I was, I would say the Cardinals are a really good fit for that. Um, but like going after one of their hitters that they have, but all those guys are young, um, like a Newt bar, a, you know, Nolan Gorman. Um, that's why I think they're going to end up trading for Sean Murphy. I mean, this is totally off track, but I, you know, like th- th- that's, that's what we're trying to line up here, right? That's what we're trying to match up. And I, again, I could spend more time trying to find those, those candidates, those teams that could use Chris Flexen to win baseball games in 2023, but also have an extra hitter that is also under, under contract for one year. Cause that's what we're talking about. Um, and I'm not totally sure who, who that is. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think the Mariners are going to trade Flexen for a prospect. Exactly. I think if it's that, if that's their option, they're going to keep yeah. him. Um, it's a very, very strange scenario because, yeah, as you mentioned, they have plugged their two to their most obvious holes without sending either him or Gonzalez away. Yeah, I mean, like, who is? I mean, I guess you could circle back to Glaber Torres, but that's a weird, that's a weird option as a as a DH type. Um, so, so that's the thing. Like, and I, again, I we could we could do more research into this and, and kind of look around and, and and see if there's anybody else. But, but that, but I guess the, the reason I bring it up is that there is still probably a flex and trade that is going to happen. And I don't know what that looks like, uh, but it seems likely. So I don't know. What is what is uh? Well, I don't really know if they would quite want him. But what is Ian Happ's contract? So he like? he's a great. That is a good one. Um, but it seems like they've kind of reversed and have actually thought about keeping him, trying to extend him. But he's one he's one year left too. I'm pretty sure. And I yeah. love Ian Happ, both the person and a player. Like I'm really into him. Um, that is a great one. But do the Cubs? I mean, that would be a situation, like, is Chris Flexen and Ian Happ even to where you think that the pitching is more valuable and then you're going to sign Carlos Correa? Like, they would have to be doing a ton more, which, by the way, they should because the Brewers are also arguably going backwards, um, even though they just got Abe Toro. So, you know, credit to them. 
Uh, but, but yeah, I, 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 that is, that is an interesting one though, in terms of, in terms of outfielders with, uh, or DH types with, with one year. Cause I, Hap is, Hap is like a, you know, the one year cheaper way to a different version of, of Reynolds in terms of switch hitters, power outfielder. Um, so yeah, that's a good one though. Well, uh, I think that we have, you know, touched on most of the aspects for this offseason. It's weird to do a podcast in the middle of an offseason, especially right before the winter meetings, because we have no freaking idea what the Mariners are actually going to do. Um, so, you know, I'm sure it will all, it'll all become clear to us in time. But do you guys have any final thoughts before we uh, head into this? What should be very Trevor interesting? Got. <laughs> Trevor God. OK, go for it. Give yeah, us, let's give talk us about the Trevor God. Love God. That's a good note to end on. Yeah. Um. I think he's really fascinating. I I would make the argument that if his extension was like six inches more, uh, that he looks something kind of like Craig Kimbrell. And I think now I think he kind of looks Kimbrell light. Um, I think anytime you throw a cutter 92, you're immediately interesting. Um, and his fastball has really good traits too. Um, I don't know, you know, uh, I don't know if if it's something where they try to increase the efficiency or whatever, but, uh, you know, guy with a low release, flat fastball, throws 95 uh, with a cutter with good ride. Um, And the curveball is like, again, if you can throw that three miles per hour harder, which is like easier said than done, it's a Kimbrell, you know, Kimbrellian curveball. Can I talk about Trevor God in a completely different way <laughs> that is way less smart? <laughs> yeah. Let's hear it. So when I think about Trevor God, I think back to the 2020 season. And you look, you know, Mariners fans over the last few days, they're pulling up his baseball reference page. You'd be like, what is this? Right? Like, what? Okay, sure, he was fine in 2022. But this guy had a 10 ERA in 2020. In 2020 and you know, 568 with the Nats and 18, whatever. Um, and, oh, like, how good could this guy be? What did Craig Kimbrell? I mean, Mikey, you're crazy. Okay, whatever. But when I look at that 10 ERA, I think back to a very specific run of games in 2020 when Gabe Kapler did something that is probably, even though I know it will continue to happen and I've seen managers do it successfully, it is one of the things that drives me the most crazy in baseball, which is, Closer slash late inning reliever has like a completely catastrophic outing to a degree you can't even, you, you're like, oh my God, that was so bad. And what do they, what do they do the very next day? We got to send him right back out there, right? Because we got to get his confidence back up. You know, we got to get Trevor Gott. We got to, we got to show him. We got to say, hey, Trevor Gott, you, we still believe in you. We still believe in you, Trevor Gott. So on August 15th, sorry, on August 14th, he allowed five runs about two homers, hit by pitch, walk, just worst outing of his career, right? August 14th, this is against the A's, just totally, just horrific outing. Next day, Gabe Kapler's like, right back at you. We need you. We need you, Trevor God. We believe in you. Three hits, four runs, again, two homers. He led two homers as a reliever on back-to-back days. Think about how hard that is to do, okay? That is, this, and he also, again, gets two outs. And I'm like, oh my God. Two days later, it's like, this dude needs a nap, right? Like, let's put this guy, like, he needs to just not be playing baseball for a while. Two days later, let's go right back to him in the ninth. Two more runs, another blown save. They get walked off. And after they got walked off by the Angels, 
I was like, that's it. I will never see Trevor got pitch ever again. That is, that is the end of his career. Uh, surely he is done for the, that is it. It was a good run. Congrats to Trevor got on that being a big leaguer, a sad way to go out 2020. No one's there. Just really tough. Right. And then middle of last season, I just pull up a Brewers game and I'm like, holy shit, there he is. He's still going. This is unbelievable. <laughs> he somehow made it back. He came back from the, from the, the Gabe Kampfer torture chamber and turned himself into a totally competent reliever. I love relievers, and that is uh, my dramatic Trevor Gott story. So the, the resilience for him to come back from those three straight outings in which he allowed 11 runs over four days uh, is, is something that I'm sure he carries with him to this day. And uh, I, I hope that he, uh, I hope that he never has anything like that happen uh, with the Mariners. Fortunately for him, he probably won't be throwing the ninth anytime soon. Um, but uh, if he does, you know, after after some Munoz days and, and some Seawald days, you know, I hope that he can find it in him to to kind of shut it down. So there's my Trevor Gott thoughts. I, and Mikey, I trust. What, you. what I'm hearing is, what I'm hearing is the Mariners should put his locker right next to Jared Kelnick's in spring training. Be like, look, dude, look, dude. I know baseball's hard. It's okay. I've seen it. You can, you can get, but you can, you can come out of O for whatever. What is it? O for thirty-eight or whatever it was. O for forty-two. Oh God, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the expectation should not be that he's going to be Cambrillian, but uh, when you look at like the horizontal approach angle because of the release, uh, the curveball is like comes in with the same horizontal angle as like Brash's slider. Uh, and the cutter is as uh, synthetically sweepy as good God. I don't know. Uh, Aaron Nola's curveball, uh, Christian Javier slider. So it's a, and he's, and he's yeah. the sixth inning guy. So watch out Astros. Right. You got Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah. Um, Corey Brock, essentially said, yeah, the Mariners like the curveball, uh, the cutter, the four seam. That probably means that they fade the sinker, which is like an all right pitch, but I, I think uh, it's probably going away to at least just fading the usage somewhat. So that is the the Trevor got. Wow, we really got it from both ends. Yeah, <laughs> but just, so and just think, if he if he ever allows a homer in a big spot, just think, it's actually been worse for Trevor Gott. So don't <laughs> he's, he's seen the bottom he's seen the bottom i really i actually would love to know how many relievers have allowed two homers in back-to-back appearances let alone back-to-back days that is that is so hard to do um but anyway so i just wanted to <laughs> i need you to i need you to ask him I, I, maybe i honestly i will if i if i if i see the if i see the Mariners this year um i will totally ask him about it because he's 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 he made it back he made it back you, you you just got to say, hey, I, I got to ask you about a few games in 2020. You know where I'm going with this? <laughs> we'll be like, oh, yeah, you mean the ones where I had like the worst four days of my life? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's let's revisit that. <laughs> Good time. <laughs> well, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on the, the podcast here and talking some some Mariners hot stuff with us. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting couple of months, no matter what happens. I'll, so. I'll leave you guys with this. Um I fly to San Diego tomorrow. I will be there. We will be doing our podcast, Baseball Barbcast, uh, like multiple times a day. And one of the goals wow. is to talk to one Gerard DePoto. So we will see. Oh, I go. don't, I'm not saying, I'm not guaranteeing anything. But if we do get to have uh, Mr. DePoto on the pod, I will 
probably just end up quizzing him on all his trades. You got to do stump yeah, cherry. Exactly. Which, which stump cherry. Yes, Mariners exactly. Pot, the... So I might just like give him a list of random names and be like, has this guy been involved in one of your trades or not? Go. <laughs> well, the first you got to start off with how many trades he thinks he's made. With exactly. The exactly. I don't think Jerry. You got to, you got to ask about Yeah. The so we'll see. So, so that's, that is certainly a goal. Uh, for my week in San Diego. But uh, but yeah, Baseball Barbercast, check it out um, after you're done listening to this. So thanks, guys. This was super fun. And then... Yeah. And anywhere else you want people to, f- to find your stuff? Yeah. So Jordan. writing at, uh, at foxsports.com, that's where you can find my written work. Maybe I'll be writing about the next Mariners trade uh, over there. Who knows? We'll see. But um, but yeah, foxsports.com and, and Baseball Barbercast is the podcast at SiriusXM. Thanks, guys. All right. Heck yeah. And... Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I've been Anders Jorstad. You can find me on Twitter at Anders Jorstad. You can find Michael on Twitter at underscore Kuya Mikey. And Jordan, I forgot to prep your Twitter handle, so can you just throw it in there real quick? J underscore Schusterman underscore. And Cespedes you have it. You can find... (laughs) Oh, of course, of course. (laughs) You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Additionally, you can support the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Seattle and check out our Discord. The link will be in the description for that as well. Thanks for listening, and go Mariners!